It is my honor to welcome back our speaker, Caleb Bislow, for our first, fourth day of Spiritual Life Emphasis Week and his last time sharing with us. A few other interesting facts about Caleb. He was trained in survival by Bear Grylls, who endorses a book Biz wrote entitled In Dangerous. He was also trained in survival by British commandos in the Scottish Highlands and the BGSA to be a survival instructor in the Nevada's Valley of Fire. And he uses these skills to train others in how to go to dangerous and unreached peoples. Biz comes alive on motorbikes and boards. Finally, he has searched for a hidden treasure, but unlike Indiana Jones, he came up empty-handed. We are excited to hear from Caleb one final time this week. Please join me in welcoming back Caleb Bislow. All right, thank you. Well, this is it, guys. We are going to go into our last session here. And before we dive too deep, I am going to give you a quick commercial uh, of a training event that I do in Nebraska. It's eight hours from here. It's a, I call that a short road trip. Uh, it's not that far in, in my book. And it is called Stranded. So if you're over 18 years old, you can sign up and apply to be a part of this. I think all of you have a flyer. If you don't, there's some extra flyers at the sound booth. Teachers and faculty, you're, you are invited also. We've had people up to almost 60 years old be a part of our training. We've had father and sons do it, but it's very unique. And uh, what Stranded is, uh, let me, this is just a quick uh, visual. We got bad guys out in this pasture, okay? And uh, that's you getting trained, and uh, you're running for your life, okay? So uh, you never know what's going to happen, and that's all I'm going to show you. No, what we do is uh, it is a simulated mission trip to a closed country, so you can kind of know what it's like to try to get into a closed country with a crooked government. You're out there for a week, and while you're out there, there's rebels out there that you have to avoid. At some point, you're going to be taken hostage, why do we do that? So that you learn what happens and how to escape those types of things in real life if that were to happen to you overseas. So we've trained missionaries and missions organizations also. And uh, also out there is a tribe that you're trying to engage, you're trying to reach, you have to find them. So it's like living in a movie where anything can happen and there's a lot of uh, training along the way from military guys, from missionaries, from uh, wilderness guys. So if that is your DNA, if you are called to go to one of those places that maybe I mentioned yesterday, this might be worth considering. It's the uh, first week of June. Seniors, apply, all right? And there's a promo code place. If you want to get 100 bucks off, write in this. Goldie is the man, 100, okay? That's D-A-M-A-N. Goldie is the man, 100. You get 100 bucks off of Stranded this year, okay? Because Goldie's the man. Appreciate uh, him having me come. And uh, how about that worship team? They have been doing awesome this, uh, this week. I know they had to have a drummer substitute and all kinds of things going on, but wow. It's been, uh, I love seeing uh, students uh, leading worship uh, among students. This has just been a, a blessing for me to be a part of. So, so let's continue up this mountain. If you remember, we, we started climbing. We began at the base camp, and we ended up at Humility. That was a, a place where we learned about getting ourselves in a posture of humility, getting ourselves in a point of surrender where God can, might choose to use us in a, in a powerful way. Then we climbed up to uh, the, uh, the level of passion, which is, uh, we, we talked about those circles of, of learning what it is to have a passion for God, pursuing that inner circle of the Lord. And then we, yesterday, talked about beginning to have a vision 
for the Lord. And this is where few people go. A lot of people stop at the passion point, you know, but uh, this is where we're starting to tread where few people go. This is where we discussed beginning to have a vision for the Lord. Maybe one of those nine groups I mentioned yesterday you began to have a heart for. Maybe God's beginning to, to plant a vision in your life. Or maybe you're like somebody that came up to me afterwards and said, hey, there's another group. And they thought of another group. Maybe there's a group I didn't mention. Maybe there's a group right here uh, somewhere. Maybe it's somebody addicted. Maybe that's one. Or, you know, it could be a number of different groups that I didn't even mention that maybe God's beginning to put on your heart. Um, so, that, so we talked about vision. Now we're going to camp four. Camp four is the camp that I call courage. And so the hard part is, is once, uh, once you have a vision, you know, that's great. But what I've noticed is a lot of people have a vision. Maybe they sense the Lord calling them to do something, but then they talk themselves out of it because they're afraid. And so they go back to just living the life they've always lived. But what would happen if that vision, let's say that you raised your hand on yesterday, if that was really from the Lord, if he's really sparking something in you, what would happen if you actually stepped forward and went for it? Maybe not at your age, but maybe, but maybe in a couple of years, what if you actually began to, to maybe partner with the ministry? Maybe some of you that are doing that, I forget what it's called, that DECA, is that what it's called? That entrepreneur thing? Maybe God's going to put something in you where you start a ministry. I mean, what would happen if you actually went for it? One thing I know that's going to happen, if you begin to pursue a vision, almost always you're going to have to face fear. So I'm going to give you kind of the challenge here in the beginning. I'm hoping that some of you are going to want to climb to the top of this mountain. This is in, at Everest. This is where, you know, the few people go to get to the top. And I'm going to tell you that it's, it's not going to be an easy journey. In fact, uh, this message, I'm almost going to talk you out of it. I don't want to make it sound easy. It, it can be difficult at times, but what if the Lord chose to use you? And I'm going to give you the rest of this message to really pray about climbing this mountain. We've talked about humility, passion, vision, and courage. And at the end of this, I'm going to give you the challenge. I'm going to tell you right up front to stand up, maybe one at a time, maybe just ten of you. I don't know how many, and say, I'm in. If you're, go if you're willing to commit to, to the Lord saying, Lord, I want to commit to climbing this. I want to commit to pursuing humility, passion, vision, and courage. So you have the rest of this message to kind of contemplate that. Now let's look at courage. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to look at, in Numbers 13, a very popular story that uh, some of you guys will be familiar with. Numbers 13. But before we jump into that, I want you to know that my name is a, is a kind of a unique name, when I, especially when I was born. Uh, there was not any Caleb's around at that time. In fact, uh, my mother didn't know any Caleb's, and, uh, and she decided to name me Caleb. And, and I wish it was after this guy in the Bible. There's a guy in the Bible named Caleb. Maybe you're not familiar with that. Uh, he's, he, all right, he's, he's my favorite character outside of Jesus. Maybe I'm a little biased, but, but this Caleb in the Bible, uh, John Maxwell called him the brave heart of the Bible. And uh, I'm just really intrigued by this Caleb. This guy almost seemed to be fearless. 
And, uh, and he was uh, among the Israelites, but he was an outsider. He was a Kenzanite from another tribe, but somehow he, he got into the Israelite tribe and, and he gained favor among these people. And, and so that, that's the Caleb in the Bible. But when my mom named me Caleb, she didn't know anybody named Caleb. I think she saw it on a soap opera or something crazy like that. And, and so I've, I've learned that having that name can be a good thing and a bad thing. Is there any Caleb's here, by, by the way? Uh, don't be shy, all right? Where, there's got to be one. Oh, I see, I see that hand, brother. Uh, do I see another one? Uh, just one? One, Caleb? All right. All right. Don't, don't hate me for this message. I hope you love me after this. But uh, I, I, I want to tell you, one time I was speaking in Sudan. There's another Caleb? Right there. Right here? Oh, you were hiding. Front. I like these Caleb's. They sit in the front, you know? Seniors represent. So... Uh, so let me tell you about the name Caleb, though. Maybe you guys already know this, but uh, one time I was preaching in Sudan, and as I was preaching in Sudan, uh, these dogs began to kind of growl at me and attack me. We were in a bombed-out kind of church that was being rebuilt, and as I was, was preaching, all the, the audience began to laugh at me. I was like, dude, what's up, man? What's going on with that? So I had to, like, stop the message, and, and they were laughing because in their language, in Arabic, uh, the name for dog is Caleb. And here I am preaching Caleb. And they're like, oh, it's Caleb and Caleb preaching. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what are you saying? You call me a dog, you know? And they're all laughing because they said, yeah, your name means dog. And so imagine this guy being with the Israelites in the Bible. I mean, that's what his name meant was dog when he was with them. So, so maybe that's where it originated. I don't know. But I'm guessing it with the Israelites, maybe at some point they, they said, hey, what's up, dog? And that's where it came from. That's a dad joke, lame, I'll never do it again, all right? But, uh, but imagine what that felt like, having that nickname, and here you are with the Israelites. And so, so for me, you know, that, that's kind of awkward. But then there was a moment once when I was a youth pastor. I remember I went to a hospital, and I went to visit somebody I didn't know, and a man came up to me, and uh, he didn't know who I was, and he was uh, there with, uh, with somebody at the hospital, and he said, what's your name, fella? I said, my, name, uh, my name's Caleb. And then he like got all tough. I was like, whoa. He's like, whoa. And he shook my hand. It's like I was a celebrity or something. It's like, mighty man of valor, of great courage, great to meet you. I'm like, what in the world is that guy talking about? I mean, were my muscles getting bigger? I had no idea. But also Caleb means courageous and brave. And, and so, so we kind of see the, this paradox of these two meanings of this, of this guy Caleb as well. And why he called me that was because he was thinking of this man in the Bible. And so I want to I want to introduce you to Caleb in the Bible if you're not familiar with him. Uh, he is a he's a unique guy that uh, that was very courageous in a time of uh, of fear. And so if you remember the story, uh, God had commissioned the Israelites to go into the promised land. And the promised land it was a place that he had promised them, but uh, he needed, Moses was the leader at the time, and he decided to send some scouts in there to check out the land before they went in to take uh, this land that was, was given to them. And so they, they send in these, uh, these spies. And after they send them in, this is what happens. They come back in Numbers 13, verse 25, and this is what happens. It says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen 
and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. So among these spies was one of these guys named Caleb. And so this is what happened. This was their report to Moses. We, we entered the land that you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. The, the kind of fruit it produces... Oh, and here's the kind of fruit it produces. So they began to show them all this fruit, all this amazing stuff about this land. But then something happened. It says in verse 28, and this is what's going to happen if you begin to get a vision. If you go through that part, when you begin to get a vision for the Lord, most likely you're going to come to this kind of a dilemma as well. And this is what happened with them. They said, but the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And so if they would have heard that word, that word Anak, that would have probably thrown them in a panic, all right? Uh, what's the Darth Vader's real name, by the way? Isn't it Anakim? Okay, I'm pretty sure... This is where it's coming from, all right? Just so you know, this is where it's coming from. They were looking for the most baddest dude name they could find. It was from these guys. And so, so there was this city, uh, Hebron at one point, that got taken over, and they named it after a giant named Arba. And if I remember correctly, Arba then had three sons, or he had a son named Anak, and then Anak had three sons, and they had all these clans of basically kind of Goliath-type clans over this area, and, uh, and so this was a place that would put terror in people's minds. They were known as strong-necked, long-necked people, and, and if you're anything like me, you know, I, I began to wonder, how big were these dudes? And could, Caleb, could you take them? Could I take them? Uh, what would it be like? And so look, look at this. Now, I don't know if you know this dude. Anybody watch Jumanji? Maybe you shouldn't watch a show like that. All right, this is not a big dude, all right? Kevin Hart is not necessarily a big dude. So th this is not a good example of a giant. He's five foot four, all right, which is not bad, all right, if that's, that's where you're at. But let's look at him next to seven foot one. Who's this? Who is this? Shaquille O'Neal, right? This is Shaq. So you can see there's a little bit of difference there. This may have been what the Israelites were thinking when they went out and spied. I'm not sure what exactly they saw, but we do know that uh, this is who? Yao Mean, all right? So now we're getting up to seven foot five, all right? So, so we do know that there's some pretty big dudes in this world. And now the, the tallest guy in modern times from the 1940s was Robert Wadlow. So Yao Mean is seven foot five, Robert Wadlow, eight feet. 11. Now, he's not alive, but this is what it would have looked like if you would have put Robert Wadlow beside Yao Ming. All right, so let me, let me just show you a photo of Robert Wadlow by his six-foot father, okay? This is, what, who, this is Robert Wadlow, all right? Size 37 shoe that guy wears. This guy had a disease where he just kept growing and never stopped, and eventually he died. But uh, that, that, that's a giant. That's a huge dude. I mean, that's, a, that's massive. So we know that there were, there's been some large people that have lived here. In fact, I don't know if my tape measure is still over there, Goldie. Is it? Uh, probably not. Oh, you're the man. But uh, these, uh, these Israelites had already uh, been around a king that had a bed that was about 14 feet long. And so I'm not sure if this will work, but uh, I'm about three foot from here. But let me show you how tall this king 
might have been, which means I'm going to have to go up to a 12-footer. All right. Uh, is this tape measure stand? All right. That's it. All right, so that would be me, maybe next to this king that these guys saw. I mean, that's, a, that's unreal, right? So imagine the panic that you would get if some dude was really that tall. I mean, it would throw you... I don't know, the, 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 into a panic. And so look at what these guys say next. They say, uh, but the people there are huge. They begin to be terrified. They begin to think of all these giants. And what we need in this moment is somebody to stand up and to say that we can do this. We can, we can go for this. And, and I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I sense that God's given me a vision to do something where that panic comes in, that fear comes in. In fact, there, there's... Things that go through my mind say, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't go to seminary like Goldie. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know how to do missions. And I remember this one moment when I was watching a show called Survivor. Anybody ever watch Survivor? Okay. Survivor uh, used to be one of my favorite shows. And I was watching Survivor Vanuatu. And there was this tribe on Survivor Vanuatu that would uh, cl- climb up 80-foot uh, towers tie vines to their ankles, and jump off these towers to get a good yam harvest. So they try to hit their head to the sand below from like 80 feet and get a great yam harvest. And, and uh, that was to please their gods. And I remember hearing that from Jeff Probst. And, and as soon as I heard that, I had a burden for these people in Vanuatu, but I had no idea how to get there. And, uh, and I just began to pray about it. Didn't have any contacts there. And I, all I began to hear was, Giants, you know, giant fears. I can't go there. I don't know enough. What could I do? And, uh, and I finally found a, a couple guys to go with me, a motocrosser, a PE teacher, and a, a football player. And, uh, and I told them I don't have a plan, but I'm going to try to figure out how to get to that specific island. Problem is, Vanuatu's 80 islands, not one island. And so we get to the main island, and we got to figure out how to get to the other island. So we end up in this little plane. And it drops us off, and now we're there on the right island to find this tribe, but we don't actually know how we're going to leave the island, but it, we made it. And so here we are on the island, and we're looking for this tribe. And I remember uh, it was amazing. I didn't even know if many people spoke English or not, but uh, one of the, there was a pickup that took us and dropped us off at a place to stay the night in this little hut. And the guy comes out, and he says... Uh, in English, my name is Pastor Isaac, and, and so he spoke English, he was a pastor, so I was excited, and I said, hey, can you take us to the other side of the island to visit this tribe, and he's like, oh, no, 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 I can't, uh, missionaries are, are forbidden there, you can't go there, but, but he, said, he said, I know another pastor, maybe he'll go with you, and, and so we go over, and, and uh, we ask this pastor, and he's like, oh, no, I can't go there, but I know another pastor on another island, I think he'll go with you, so we end up on this boat, going to another island, this pastor says, yeah, I'm, I'll go with you. And then he comes back and we're all excited because we're going to go and just visit this tribe. And, and as we're getting ready to go visit this tribe, he's like, you know, I need to go back home. I'm not going to visit this island or this tribe. I'm going home. And, and what I discovered was is that missionaries, the, the chief doesn't want any kind of Christians there, basically. And at that point in time, I had no idea why, and I began to realize there were shut doors, and how in the world can we go there, and what would we do? And so I remember being afraid of this chief, especially when three men said, we can't go there. We can't do this. Missionaries have gone there before, and they burn Bibles, and they'll kick you out, and it could go really bad, and we can't go there. 
And so I remember watching their fear, and what their fear did to me was kind of sparked a fear in, in my heart. And, uh, and I call that uh, grasshopper talk. If you look at these guys in the Bible, uh, these guys were, were getting terrified in Numbers uh, 13. It continues on, and it says that these guys actually began to talk like uh, they felt like grasshoppers. Look at this. In Numbers 13.30, when everybody's beginning to panic about the Anakites, it says Caleb tried to silence the people. And he said, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. They said this, we can't do it. They're stronger than we are. And so they spread a bad report about the land among the Israelites. And the, the, among the Israelites. And they said, the land we traveled through and explored will devour us. It's going to eat us, basically. Uh, and anyone who goes there, all the people we saw were huge. We even saw the giants there, the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak who come from the Nephilim. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought of us too. So when God begins to give you a vision, as you're maybe pursuing this mountain, I can guarantee that a lot of times when he gives us a vision, it's going to feel way bigger than you. And you're going to begin to think, what can I do? I'm a, I just feel like a grasshopper. You know, that's a really good place to be sometimes because it makes you pray more, rely on God more. Remember those things in humility. makes you say, Lord, I need you. And, uh, and so sometimes you're going to hear grasshopper talk from other people saying, hey, that's not your skill set. But it's amazing when God begins to put a conviction in somebody's heart and begins to put a vision in their heart. And uh, we come to that point of will we have the courage to actually step forward? And so I, I don't know what the vision was that you had yesterday. And I don't, I'm not going to say that was quickly from the Lord. It might have been. But there's going to be moments where you face a fear. I would say maybe some of you, it might be the fear of failure. Maybe you have a low self-esteem. Maybe you're a, you're a quiet person and you're like, how could I ever speak? By the way, did you know that when I was in grade school, they called me a voluntary mute. One girl did. I didn't like talking. This, just so you know right, what I'm doing right now, you could probably ask Goldie, this is not my dream job, <laughs> speaking. I'd rather go do something, uh, you know, but uh, this is how the Lord, this is what he's called me to do. And so maybe you're an introvert, but you'll notice there's all kinds of fears that can come up and, and keep you from the vision that God begins to put in your heart. And I love what... Uh, what happens next as these guys are processing this, these fears in the Bible. It says two of the men that had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephenna, tore their clothing. I would have liked to have seen that. You know, I picture Caleb with his big beard, big old hairy chest too. I don't know if it's true or not, but can you imagine this Duck Dynasty dude just ripping? I mean, I want to see the replay in heaven. That had to be something. I can't imagine what that was like, but this is what happened. Uh, they, they tore their clothes, stood up in front of everybody, and they said, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, remember, this is the promised land, the land he promised them. He will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land. Look at the optimism. Flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only, look at this, help us pray to us. 
They have no protection. Look at these guys. How, can you believe it? But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community then turned against him. And talked about throwing stones at Caleb and Joshua, getting rid of these guys. But this was Caleb's perspective and Joshua. These are some giant dudes. You're Kevin Hart compared to Robert Wadlow. There's no way. But they had a different perspective. And when God begins to give you a vision, you need to have this perspective. You got a giant on your side. I don't think he wears boots, but if he did wear boots, the Lord is pretty massive. In fact, it says all the waters are like in the palm of his hand, all of like outer spaces from the pinky to the, to the thumb in the Bible. I mean, our God is an awesome God. And when he gives you a vision, he's on your side. And do you know this thing called the Holy Spirit? I mean, God has now given us the Holy Spirit for those who have genuinely followed Christ. And we're, we are capable at times of doing things that seem impossible to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we began to try to get to these giants, I remember that, that were, uh, we were afraid of on this island. We were just praying, Lord, we want to go. We need your Holy Spirit. We need you to go with us. And, and as we were praying, I remember uh, um, just uh, really trying to decide uh, what we're going to do. And finally, they said, hey, there's one other pastor. He's coming in tomorrow uh, on a boat or something, and, and maybe he'll go with you. Uh, he's from YWAM, he said. So I was like, well, the YWAMers are crazy sometimes, so maybe they'll, he will join us. And so we're like, Lord, I hope that was your Holy Spirit because we don't want to go over there alone, and, uh, and we don't speak the language. And, and so this guy ends up coming, and, and uh, his, his name was Keith, and, and he said, I'll go with you, but it's forbidden. But we will pray. We'll pray, and we'll just go over there and, and see what the Lord does. And I remember going with this man, driving over there and and here I am with this motocrosser right and these uh, these other guys this football player and and the PE teacher and we're praying and we don't have a real good plan we don't have a good strategy all we really had at that point is Lord can you guide us can you direct us God we're afraid we don't know we don't know anything about what it means that, that this group is forbidden and, and so we went in that next day and we just said uh, this this is my strategy just so you know and this is a whole other message but when I go into places like this these are my goals love the people learn from the people listen to the people that, that, that's usually how I start and then I listen to the Holy Spirit and leap when I feel like maybe he's asking us to do something more and so that, those are kind of the, that's kind of my funnel a lot of times so I told the guys hey when we go in Let's just keep love at the tip of the spear. Let's just love these guys. Don't let them think we're tourists. Or Let's just show them a whole different kind of love. Let's show them Christ's love. And, and I didn't know what that meant that day. And as we're going in, you know, most of these guys are just wearing a bean leaf. So I'm not going to show you a whole lot of pictures, all right? Um, uh, you can use your imagination, all right? But I remember uh, as we were there, we were out and uh, these guys were, were all kind of by their village and and we decided, the PE teacher decided, the PE teacher was the rock star, by the way. Any PE teachers, phys ed, all right? The, this guy had all kinds of games. And so we ended up playing kind of these games in the mud with these dudes in bean leaves. And it got to the point where we did like one-on-one, -on -one, not MMA, but wrestling, all right? Like we put their hands on them, they put it on us, and we see who threw the other guy down in the mud first. I didn't know we were going to play that game, but... Hey, we're trying to follow the Lord, and if that's the Lord, that's what we're doing. And, and, but we had a great time 
with these guys. And, and we laughed a lot, and uh, we were like, man, that was awesome. And, and so the next day as we're going in, I just said, hey, let's just keep loving these guys and, and, uh, and see what the Lord does. But let's, again, let's listen for the Holy Spirit, just try to see if he's leading us any specific direction. And we end up uh, on top of a mountaintop, and as we're up there, uh, I remember we're, again, doing the mud wrestling thing and kind of playing around. Then one of my guys, the, uh, uh, the football player, left. It's like, dude, where, where's Corey at? Then he came back with a bean leaf on, all right? So I'm not going to tell you what that looks like, all right? But that, that's all this dude's wearing. One of my guys is just coming back with a bean leaf. And, I'm like, and then he's wrestling, all right, like them, and we're having a great time. And, and then uh, something happened shortly after that where I just did a silly magic trick, made a little coin or, some, or rock disappear, and, uh, and I realized that they probably thought it was black magic, so I actually showed them how I did it, and I apologized. And, and then it's like the Holy Spirit just showed up in that place. The, the chief wasn't there at that point. And, uh, and, uh, and after I showed them the trick, they were like, uh, that ain't cool. That, uh, you know, just started walking away. But then we said, but, but we know someone with real power, enough power to to raise people from the dead, enough power. And we talked about some of the things Jesus did in the Bible. And, uh, and I said, do you know anybody with that power? And they were like, no. And, and they all started to surround us, about 20 guys. And we began to, to share the good news of Christ with them. And we used an illustration with the mud. It was kind of cool because uh, it just kind of flowed out of our lips. We didn't even have the sermon planned. And, and by the end of it, about 20 of the guys that were there, they, they wanted to begin that journey with Jesus. And, and we thought this was going to be forbidden. We thought everybody was going to like throw rocks at us. And, and so the Lord began to move. And so the next day, you know, we're getting ready to go back in the village. We're really excited to go back in. And as we're, we're going back in, I just said, hey, be ready for anything, guys, as we go back in. And, and uh, let's begin to, to try to disciple some of these guys. And maybe our translator can disciple them. And maybe we can start a church eventually. And, and uh, as we go back in, I remember all the guys that kind of responded that day before are lined up. And they have a sad face. And uh, I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And, and then there's a guy that comes out from behind him. And he, he knows a little bit of English. Uh, he knows these two words. Uh, Leave us. Go away. Or you'll give me a $50. Hmm, 50 bucks. Okay, so now I'm trying to decide, are we going to leave or are we going to pay this guy 50 bucks? We came a long ways from America. And so, so what would you do? Right there, what would you do, bro? Yeah, you. Give him 50 bucks? You think? I don't know. What do you, what do you think? You don't know? Hey, you, let's put you guys in leadership. Let's, you got to think like this when you're over there, man. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, the guys came around me, and they're like, we, we should just pay. Oh, the girl's got an answer right there. I see that laugh. What would you do? Give them 50 bucks. That's what everybody said. That, the football player said it. Motocross guy said it. All these guys said it. And, and so we're trying to figure out what to do. So, so something interesting, though, I need to share with you, happened the day before after uh, a lot of them responded to Christ, is that the day before, the motocross guy decides to lead him in the song, Jesus Loves Me. All right? So keep that in mind. And, and it was kind of like they bark a little bit. So it's like we tried to teach him English. It was kind of weird, guys. But uh, Jesus, love me I mean it was kind of weird and they're all dancing in, in their bean leaf all right but it was it was pretty pretty awesome but that was the motocross guy's idea I didn't know if it was a great idea or not but then this next day now this guy's trying to say give me 50 bucks or or, or get out of here 
And I remember thinking uh, maybe we should give him 50 bucks. The other three guys said, just give him $50. It's fine. We can, then we can keep uh, ministering to these guys. And, but I felt like I, I said, I don't feel right in my heart to give this guy $50. I think we need to, we're going to give him $50, but let's, uh, let's, uh, after we, uh, let's not give him $50. Let's just leave. But let, let's not leave sad. And I said to the motocross guy, in fact, let's, let's sing that song again, Jesus Loves Me, and let's do a bark style, you know, let's sing and rejoice as we walk out of here. And I remember as, uh, as we said goodbye to all our friends from the day before, we just began to sing Jesus Loves Me, this I know, little kid song. And as we're walking out, we're kind of dancing and barking. All these guys that were sad, their faces got excited and they started singing this was not part of our plan, and they started dancing, and then as we walked out of the village, they walked out of their own village, and then the angry guy was like, ah, he didn't know what to do because they followed us. We didn't even invite them, and now all of a sudden, God's just doing stuff, and we had this amazing moment with them out in front of the ocean after that of just kind of beginning to disciple them and train them up more, and our translator uh, wanted to continue to share with them. So, so God began to do things that I thought, were impossible. Now there's so much to that story, but let me fast forward because I came back uh, a couple years later with my brother and the chief was there. And I was scared to death of this chief. This was the giant. This was a guy that I thought was going to hate us. And I remember I saw him, his t- they were playing uh, soccer up on this field and he got up to talk to his tribe and he said, you guys need to stay to custom. He said, you guys are wearing shorts today. You need to be wearing the bean leaf. You're wearing cleats. You can't do that. And, and he rebuked them. And then he said this. And he said, and don't you know that the only reason you have good weather today is because I brought it to you. It's like, oh, dude, this guy thinks he's God. And, and then I, I had a meeting with this guy after this little event. And I was like, this is going to go horrible. You know, this guy's going to hear what I've done. And, and so, but I remember just going in again, I want to learn, I want to love, I want to learn, I want to listen to this guy. And, and so that's what we did afterwards, went into his hut. And I was super intimidated. And here we are, and I begin to ask him questions about his tribe. And I said, and I just went for it. I said, why don't you let missionaries here? And he said, well, you know, we used to. But they came in and they slept with our women. And then there's this other Christian group down here. They came up and they began to kill all of our pigs in the forest. And that's, that's how we survive. And you know that, that group, there was a conflict with that Christian group. And, and you know what they ended up doing you know, with the, during this conflict is they called the police. The police were Christians. They came in and you know what they did? The people in my tribe, they, 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 uh, they, they tied us up and took us down to the shoreline until our skin blistered. And he's like, why, why, why would I want Christian Christianity? There's some amazing things that can happen when you just shut up and listen sometimes. And I remember I had this big old machete and I I gave it to him. And I said, hey, I want to apologize for what Christians have done before. I've had to do that a lot of places. And I just said, you know, that's not truly following Jesus. That's not what it's about. Following Jesus is is more about, and I began to explain it. and, And you know, his heart softened. And then he said, you know what? You guys can go. You can share Jesus with my people. He said, I don't want it. But uh, he said, you can even show the, the Jesus film. You can go do that to my village. And he gave us permission. He opened up his hands. And it was amazing to see what the Lord did in, in a place like that. A place that uh, I was terrified of. A place that uh, I, I was way 
over my head. And I believe that uh, God uh, did that because we began to just put our full trust in him. And, you know, I love the story of Caleb in the Bible. If you're to follow him, you'll see that the Israelites then panic and uh, they decide not to go into promised land. So they're, for 40 years, they can't go in that promised land. But then Caleb, uh, 40 years later, he's with Joshua. And, and all that generation of Caleb and Joshua have died off. But, and now Joshua's the new leader. And, and, uh, and Caleb goes over to Joshua in the Bible. And he says, hey, hey Joshua, do you remember that, uh, that I was told that I could have the land of Hebron? I could have the land where the giants are, the Anakites. And, and Caleb at this time is 85 years old. And he tells Joshua, he says, Joshua, I want you to know, I know you're the leader now. Uh, the Lord promised me that land. And, and he says, Joshua, I'm, I'm just as vigorous now at 85 as I was back back in my 40s. I, I am ready and, and I'm just as strong now, he says. I doubt it, but I love that attitude. He's ready to go and, and, and accomplish the vision even at 85 years old. To me, that's a goal. It's like, Lord, when I'm 85, can I have my vigor? Can I have my strength in you? Even when it's tough, can we go forward? And, and I, I love that Caleb went and, and got his land at 85 years old among these evil Anakites that, that live there. And so I don't know what the vision is or what God is putting on your heart this week. I know I've seen uh, uh, the Lord do crazy things all over the world in, in places like Vanuatu. But maybe there's a place, maybe there's a vision he began, he's beginning to birth in you. You know, after uh, I was with that chief, I was amazed uh, when I was there because that, uh, that chief's son spoke a little English and at one point he was kind of translating for me and, and I remember uh, he wasn't a Christian but I, I was leaving the island one day and as I was talking to the chief's son, uh, he, the chief's son said, oh, have a good trip, I got to go see my wife, she just had a baby today. And as I'm getting ready to leave, I, I look at him and I said, uh, hey, I know a great name for your baby. What do you think it is? Any idea? Yeah, I said, hey, I was just joking, right? It's like, hey, you should name him Caleb. It's a great name. It's a great name. And I said it jokingly, because not only because it was my name, because of the Bible name, right? How cool would it be if he named it a Bible name? And he, he said, okay, I, I will name him Caleb. And that's all I saw of him. And he went off. And, like, and then uh, two years later, I went back, and guess who was there? This little baby, Caleb, the chief's grandson in that tribe that you saw. His name's Caleb. And I'm going to go see them in a couple, uh, couple weeks here. It's like, I, I can't wait to meet little Caleb and uh, pray over him. And I've had a chance to kind of read the, the Caleb story over him. And, and it's amazing to see what God can do when we press through our fears. So I want to invite the worship team to come up for a moment. And I want you for a moment to, to think about this. You guys have been challenged this week to climb a mountain. We started off talking about pursuing humility and passion, vision, and courage. And I know some of you, I can tell you've slept through service, but some of you are hungry. I could see it in your eyes. I think that there are some people in here that are going to change the world because you want this. You don't want to just settle for the status quo. You want to go all in. You want to go all in. And I'm going to ask you to do something very brave here in a moment. I'm going to give us uh, just a few seconds of silence. I don't know if you guys can play lightly, if you feel comfortable doing that or not. If you do, uh, go ahead. But this is what I want to ask you to do for these next few seconds. Is to ask yourself if you are a person that will commit to the Lord today 
and in front of everyone to climbing this mountain. To saying to the Lord, Lord, <laughs> I want to be a person of humility. I want to be a person that, that is passionate about you. I want to be a person of vision. I want a vision from you. I want to go wherever you call me to do whatever you want me to do. And Lord, if you give me that vision, I pray, Lord, you will give me the courage to step forward and to go for it. So I'm wrapping all the sessions into one here to ask today, will you be a person, will you be a follower of Jesus who pursues humility, passion, vision, courage? And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something that's scarier than dying. People are more afraid of this than dying. It's kind of crazy. To stand up wherever you're at and to say loudly, I'm in. But before you do that, I don't want you to follow the crowd. I don't want you to do it because your friend's doing it. I want, I want some of you just to stay, remain seated. You're not ready for this. But for some of you, I think now is the time to say, Lord, I'm completely surrendered. I want this. I want humility, passion, vision, courage. I want what you have for me in my life. I want to be chosen by you. I want to be used by you. I want to... I, to make a difference in this world for you. And God, I'm scared. I have these fears. I know there's these giants that I'll face, but Lord, I'm in. So I'm just going to ask you for this next 60 seconds. If that's you, maybe you're going to have to be one at a time, but just wherever you're at, just stand up right now and say, I'm in. And I want to hear you from here, even if you're in the back. Amen. That's courage right there. Some of you are still thinking, and I'm going to give you time to think about it. Amen. I love seeing people stand up just kind of by themselves. Amen. Amen. You have about 30 more seconds. Fifteen seconds. Ten seconds. All right, this is your last chance. Three seconds, here we go. Anybody else? Amen. Jesus, I I pray uh, that we would be people that are in. And God, I pray that you would raise others up in the future to be all in. And God, I pray that you would raise world changers in our midst as we go into this song. Uh, Let's all stand for a moment. Uh, Can we do that together? And let's sing this song, uh, I'm No Longer a Slave to Fear. And let's just make that our declaration. And hey, don't feel, just because you didn't stand doesn't mean that you're not in. It means maybe you're not ready. Maybe you're still on this journey. All right, but let's continue at least in humility and passion to grow close to God and to see where he takes us. So uh, thank you guys. Let's, uh, Let's go off into this song.